You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Nicholas Venturakis. Nicholas, thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, thank you for the invitation. Nicholas, you're in Athens. Uh, I feel like I should ask you, since it's, we're talking on October 6th in 2021, you've, you've been there for the past year or more. Um, how, how has that been? How has that affected your work to be in the pandemic in Athens? Uh, I, well, I'm originally from Athens. I was uh, born and raised here, but uh, I've been living in London since 2007. And uh, in March 2020, I was actually supposed to fly back to London from Athens. Uh, I was here to see some friends and partners and to finish some stuff that I was working on at the time. And, you know, that was a very weird period where each country was not quite sure of what the rules should be and uh, if they should close the borders of lights and everything else. And I somehow decided that it would be safer not to travel until things cleared out. And nobody knew how long that that would be for. And it uh, ended up being more than a year. And uh, it has been really interesting for me being back in my home country uh, for such a long time. It, uh, it was because I was experiencing it in a very different uh, way than before you know we had the lockdowns we had a series of lockdowns and then for some months especially during the summer Greece being a tourist destination everything would be semi-open and then we would have another lockdown uh, it was good to be here but also weird in so many ways and it, not traveling gave me time to focus on some of my more archival work I, I would say and that's how I spent uh, the year and a half, just uh, making new work and uh, digging back uh, into my archive. So let's talk about the kind of work um, you are making. Um, I've been watching your video you made that was before the pandemic and also uh, your your Instagram account, uh, among other places, and you're, you're, you're producing images regularly. Um, I, was, I was struck by how on the... Instagram account, um, you talked about the unreliable witnesses and that images appear and disappear semi-randomly here. Um, mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Because that, that points towards a lot of what your work is also about. Um, doesn't it? Can, can we talk a little bit about that? What, what does that mean, the unreliable witness and, and, and the idea of images appearing and disappearing? I am, thank you for the question, actually. <laughs> I'm... I'm I, th I, th I was under the impression that almost nobody reads the, the, the text in, the, in Instagram these days. Um, it's uh, basically, I use my Instagram as an extension of my practice. So it's, uh, I, in, in my practice, uh, if I could describe it, it's, it's, uh, it has a lot to do with misconceptions and assumptions and how narrative uh, language is created and uh, how our personal but also societal narratives occupy our personal and collective memories and uh, sometimes things that we see for a very short period of time or that we hear or small snippets of information how they can become anchors in the way we think about uh, stuff 
and uh, a lot of my work had to do uh, about the way we uh, interact with images. So on Instagram, uh, what I'm doing is that I constantly change uh, the selection of images that a person can see. So they might remember a photograph or an artwork that I have uploaded and then a week later it's not longer there despite the fact that other pictures around it are still there. And because you have this grid view or you have that serialness when you scroll through, you have that latent image in your head that you might have seen something but it's no longer there. Uh, and you've not one could fill in that gap with uh, the memory that they had, uh, like a ghost image that has remained on my feed that is no longer there. And uh, on other days, I might bring back from the archive uh, hundreds of pictures, and then uh, three months later, there might be only five. Currently, I have 36, a constant number for the last few months. Uh, it's because I'm um, scanning a lot of my old 35mm films that usually had 36 uh, frames on them. And uh, for me, it's, it's, I don't know, I find it very interesting because we spend uh, so much time on Instagram and we tend to learn or create an image of the person that has uh, the account that we follow. But then when that account changes so drastically, instead of keeping a consistency or a constant view, uh, what effect it has to our relationship with that person or that person's work. So that's, that's part of uh, what I mean with uh, the unreliable witness. It, the, the, the account is an unreliable witness. I'm an unreliable witness as a photographer and image maker myself anyway. But my account also is not really representing a complete picture of uh, what I do or who I am. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And, you know, even your first comment also in this, when I was looking at your Instagram and reading the text, the idea of who is reading it? You didn't know that I was reading it or that anybody's reading it. Um, there's, there's also a kind of very unusual sense to, to Instagram as an exhibition platform that way because we don't really know who's looking at it or what they're saying. It doesn't actually start a conversation the way a gallery uh, exhibition might. It, it's, it's something else, right? It's a different sort of form. We look through it so, so quickly um, that the unreliable witness also has a different, a different take altogether, you know, because it's... It's, uh, I, I love this idea of kind of what did I see, what didn't I see. You know, it, it, it seems like that's something that's happened with a, a, lot, of, a lot of great artists from the past, you know, uh, from, from Joseph Boys to, I, I don't know, to, to, to many others, um, sculptors wondering whether uh, something actually occurred or didn't occur, uh, whether it's being overly mythologized in, in some way. Um, but but your, your Instagram also has this extra layer of, how are people actually looking at Instagram, right, at this, at this unusual form, which, which seems such a contrast to the fact that, that you also have used large format cameras in the past. This is a, a kind of a, a jarring juxtaposition almost. I, I still do. And many of the, I mean, I use uh, all different kinds of uh, 
image tools from uh, phones to scanners to analog cameras and then they end, they end up when they're on Instagram they end up all being uh, seen on the same devices but mostly phones to be we have to be honest with each other mostly it's our phones that have that flat surface and no depth and uh, which is the epitome actually of what a photograph is and uh, also uh, perhaps I'm revealing too much, but uh, one of the things that I also do is I, because I'm very interested in exhibition making and how things look in, in real space uh, and when they are presented in real space and a lot of my work has to do with uh, the installation part of uh, photography. And uh, sometimes I present artworks that are photographs of actual artworks that exist framed with a museum glass and with all the graded lines that go usually in art catalogs. But I also include notes that I make of pieces that I haven't produced yet, but I have photoshopped to look like they are on the wall and they are exhibited and I have all the information the same way. And they're not so easy to distinguish between the two because I make it uh, look very natural. But a lot of the artworks that I present do not actually exist outside of the uh, Instagram uh, account as items that you can uh, actually see. And there have been uh, instances when uh, people have asked me when they do a studio visit to see that piece and I'll just tell them it doesn't exist yet. I haven't produced it. It's... Uh, it's an idea of a piece that I'm going to produce. That's so that's that's fascinating. So and and how to so that starts a conversation in itself, right? Because they're doing a studio visit, they're asking for something specific. It hasn't been made. You you mentioned the idea, uh, and, and and how that's working. Where does the conversation go go from there? Because then, can they have that piece before it's made? Um, or, 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 or ask to see it or commission it? Is that even possible? Or, um, yeah, I'm just curious how that conversation would, would evolve because that, that I would imagine would take the person who's doing the studio visit a little bit of a double take, right? What do you mean it doesn't exist? I, I, I thought I saw it. Um, how could it not exist? It, it brings up the very issues that you're trying to, to, to discuss. This discussion has changed quite a bit, I have to say. Uh, there is like a point in time where, uh, I mean, because of NFTs these days, uh, people, has, I had the discussion a few weeks ago with a person that came to have a studio visit with me, and then the reaction was like, ah, so you're preparing it for, an, for NFT uh, kind of work. And I just realized that you sort of, the, the idea that I had of this abstraction and this uh, non-existence of the piece, it, it doesn't apply that much anymore because then people are, are getting accustomed to that, that idea of the artwork itself not existing in the physical work. So in the past, it would open up a discussion that would be like, okay, as, as you said, could you produce it for me? Or is, it, is there a time frame of when it's going to be produced? And the answer is not really it's going to be produced when it's going to be used for something, for an exhibition, or when its physical uh, existence would make sense to me. 
So it's not part of the available pieces that I have. Uh, but now I, you know, I have to sometimes explain, no, it's not a piece that exists as a concept for a future NFT. It still is a piece that I would perhaps consider creating the, in real life at some point for some exhibition, but uh, the opportunity has not arisen yet. That's a fascinating element to bring into the conversation. You know, the idea of it being an NFT and how that mixes with what you were thinking previously because, you know, an NFT, which I've done quite a bit of reading about. I just talked to someone yesterday who's developing a whole app to help artists build them and mint them. It seems to be such a, a completely misunderstood idea, you know, um, that, that an NFT you know, for many people, is just something that doesn't exist in, in, in physical form, which is just one aspect of it. But it, it does, as you're saying, throw a different kind of light on, on what you're doing, on this, on this idea of the unreliable witness or, or images that, that don't appear, right? It, it changes the conversation because then you have to say that it's, that it's not an NFT or, whoop, as, as you're saying, it won't be made for that, um, and that it's something else that it's something else entirely which is which is still kind of hard to i would imagine you know understand because what what is what is the object then or what is the, you know what what are you moving towards and and you explain to them we're in the studio visit still that this will be what it has used for for an exhibit but um but does the conversation of the nft also make you think that you should be moving in that realm or that's part of it or does that really have nothing to do with what's going on and it's just a, a misperception on the on the part of the the viewer or the, the thinker who's discussing this with you i i think it's a bit of a misconception i'm i'm not saying that i'm never going to produce nfts or that i'm not interested in technology or anything like that so my comment is not uh, in any way taking position on that front but uh, I'm m my uh, focus is uh, m more on memory and experience while somehow the NFT has to do with the ownership of that item as uh, I, I don't know how to put it to be honest with you because I'm I'm myself I'm struggling with what exactly NFTs are and what they mean but um, when it, an item that does not exist and its whole point is to create an impression, uh, then if, if you make an equivalence with the NFT, it's more like, okay, I'm, I'm just telling you that it doesn't exist in physical form and it has this digital form. While the way I think about it is more the impression that it creates in the person's mind and that's what you keep. It's not uh, an exchange uh, of, uh, of an art piece or an artwork. It's more of a creation of that impression that momentarily, that momentarily, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, memory creation that occurs. That makes more sense, right. And then that's, of course, very different than an NFT. Memory relates more to me, uh, to, it's an understanding and, and, and discussing your work because memory itself is, of course, unreliable, and that and that relates to the Instagram account as well. Did I see that he removed it? Um, 
you know, that, 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 that makes it, yeah, quite different than anything an NFT is. And I, and I feel the same way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm very interested in NFTs, but it's, it's quite a different issue when we're talking about memory and, and, and visual memory. And uh, there is this, this uh, also aspect of the NFTs that they, they carry their history with them. They carry uh, all the information in them, who had them, when they had them, when it moved. So you don't forget anything. It's, it's a perfect, uh, art, uh, I, I don't know, itinerary of its existence at all times. You know who had it five years ago and six seconds uh, ago. It's uh, w- while, as you said, the mem- memory can be very unreliable, but when you see uh, the history of NFT, you know everything about it, when it was created, when it was uploaded, who had it, who bought it, who is selling it now. And uh, somehow it's, it becomes more important than the NFT itself when you go on the foundation of these all other platforms and you see the history. You know where it's been. While in my pictures, you don't know where you saw it. And sometimes you cannot find it again. This is also why on my website, uh, after I started working on my Instagram like that, I basically stopped using my website as my portfolio. And I'm only having a curatorial text written about a body of work that I have. And again, the, the text with one of the images from the body of work uh, might somehow create a connection for people that have seen the work or for people that have not seen the work to imagine what it might be about. And my goal is to change that, uh, that curator's text uh, and the body of work that they're writing about, and the picture that the, the singular picture that you can find on my website every six to nine months. Uh, so they, there are more pictures of mine to be found on Instagram, but not all of them are part of my actual portfolio. And I like the digital, the digital existence of things, that they're very easy and clear to see some of the elements of the work, but then it's also very easy to change the story and the history of, uh, of the work which does not exist in books, for example. If you have a catalog, the catalog is a permanent record that you can check and analyze and do research on and be certain about what, how you approach the work in a catalog. Yeah, that's very clear. And, um, and I love the way you're describing it. It's, it's one of the reasons I love doing interviews about visual work, which can't be seen while listeners are hearing this, and because now we're also talking about the idea of engaging memory and, and, and what you've seen or haven't seen, which is just a, a fascinating visual kind of concept and an idea. So it's, it's, I love talking to you about this. And I, I want to ask also about, um, since it's something uh, very, a little different seemingly than what we're talking about, is your, your video that went up six months ago called Unlikely Outcomes and Improvisation. Um, which I know was your your project with with, uh, with a few others, and it's there's something um, the date on it is January sixteenth, twenty twenty. I don't know if that's when it was done, but it you know it watching it was um, was uh, you know really kind of 
beautiful and, and poetic in a way to me because it was also an event that you'll never see now and perhaps never again yeah. in the same way. You know, you know no masks, milling around. Um, I imagine there's always going to be some masks in the crowd in the future. And um, so can you tell me a little bit about that project because and how it relates perhaps to what we're saying or, or, or doesn't relate? Um, it does, the outcomes, it does actually. Yeah. It, it, it does very much. Uh, unlikely outcomes is uh, actually a body of work. Uh, so I have a love-hate relationship with photography. I assume like most uh, artists working with photography, I just love photography and it also frustrates me to, uh, it, it brings me in the edge so many times about the things that I cannot do with photography or that uh, Anyway, the complications of the medium. And uh, one of the things that I have decided early on was that while I'm working on more concrete, uh, precise projects that uh, have a certain uh, theme or a concept, uh, simultaneously I would work with uh, different visual languages of photography. Uh, in, uh, in, and I would keep building an archive of images that I had a very particular idea about them when I was shooting them, but then I was not quite certain of where they would fit in, in an exhibition or in a project or something else. So after like four, 10 years of doing that, uh, in 2019, I had a solo show in Athens called Unlikely Outcomes, uh, the exhibition One Star because my goal is to have more of this exhibition, so there will be an exhibition two stars, an exhibition three stars, but there will be also other uh, kind of presentations, and uh, unlikely outcomes uh, and improvision was that in between event or exhibition, between the, let's, I'm going to call them the big shows, uh, hopefully, there will be more of them. Uh, so that was a collaboration with a very good uh, friend of mine and curator, Mirtoka Tsimicha, uh, and uh, the band of my youngest brother, Dimitris Venturakis, uh, who is a jazz pianist, and uh, his band, uh, Ramdat, the people that you can see and uh, listen to on the video, uh, they do experimental electronic uh, jazz. And so, speaking with him and seeing how they made music, I have to say I love music, I listen to music all the time, but I really cannot play music. I'm out of tune, I'm <laughs> off rhythm all the time. So I really appreciate uh, how they work together because they improvise all the time. And it's extremely hard for me to, to understand how you can make it look so seamless. Uh, when I cannot keep rhythm, when I'm playing alone with my guitar strumming six notes. Um, and, uh, but somehow it fitted in with the way I worked on unlikely outcomes, these uh, completely separate themes and photographs and events that somehow I, I edited together in a coherent core. And what I asked them on that day was that uh, uh, I would... At, I would present three images from the series that they would have never seen before, and each one would improvise while looking at one of the images. So three images, three musicians. And they would do a solo piece in the beginning, uh, being inspired by the photograph that they would be seeing on the wall on the day, 
and then they would start to basically improvise together and create the performance that they did. Uh, and somehow this reminded me of how we, uh, we add and combine and create uh, personal narratives from the information that we receive. And then by adding more and more information, we create more complicated narratives and more complicated narratives. And uh, somehow we pass on our reference uh, to the person next to us. And this is how I see their improvisation and collaboration. And it really happened just before the pandemic, this event. And as you mentioned, when I was editing the video, I was looking at it and I felt awkward and weird. It's who are these people gathering together next to each other without masks, moving around the space, looking at each other, leaning on each other, and uh, it, it, it was a bit like, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a fake scene from, uh, from another universe almost. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And, and that does relate also to, to everything we're saying, even that feeling, you know, this, this kind of uh, dreamlike quality isn't quite the right word, but as you said, almost kind of a fake scene from another, another universe, which which of course also relates to memory. Uh, before, uh, before I ask you the last question about what you're, what you're reading, is there anything else you want to say about an upcoming show or anything that I haven't asked that you think we should discuss or mention? Um, just by chance, and this is a very good thing, uh, Ramdat, the band of my brother that you can see on the video, are playing tomorrow at a rooftop here in Athens in the event. And this is a very nice coincidence. And that finally, the, the, you know, these things slowly open up and we somehow return to a kind of normalcy, but not really because all the people will have to keep distances, will have to wear masks. So it's not exactly the same, but at least live music is going to be performed again. And uh, I'm very happy for him because, you know, um, being a visual artist, it's uh, a bit of, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time with yourself creating work. But as a musician, you want to perform to people. You want to have that energy. So I'm very happy for that. And currently we have a group show at uh, an art space that uh, was just founded in Athens. It's the first show uh, in Misk, Athens, uh, with the title Tell Me I Belong with uh, eight artists, and it also includes some images from uh, the Unlikely Outcome series. And uh, there is another group show at the Thoharax Foundation, again in Athens. Uh, it's so interesting for me doing, being in Athens back home and doing stuff here uh, that I do with a very good friend of mine, and uh, Don Theodoridis, an amazing photographer a dual show that we developed throughout this one year of lockdown and has to do with uh, the National Garden of the city and the trees in Athens, things that you start to pay attention to while you do the, the walks that we were allowed to take uh, throughout the lockdown. I'm glad you mentioned that. And there, there will be links in here also if people want to, to look more into that. So the last question is, what are you reading at the moment? So... Um, I, I know it's, uh, <laughs> so I'm reading again uh, Asimov's Foundation, 
because of the TV series, because I, w- I read it when I was like uh, 14 or 15. And uh, I'm not quite sure I appreciated it enough back then. And uh, because in the last year I was reading a lot of texts uh, that were a bit on the heavy side, uh, now I decided I want to enjoy myself and um, I'm reading it in English this time around. Back then I read it, uh, uh, I read a translation of it uh, because I want to finish at least the first book in the series before I see the adaptation on TV. Very good. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, I like that very much. Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I appreciate your time and, and wish you well with your future work and projects. Thank you so much for the invite. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.